You think you get stupid questions? You should hear the barrage of stupid questions I get. Thanks for tuning in to uh, another episode. I hate saying tuning in. I really hate saying that shit. Like, dialing in, uh, dialing in now. Here you are. You found it. <laughs> Through all the static and fuzz, finally you fell upon stupid questions with Jason Harvey. Uh, so anyway, thanks for listening to this. Uh, we'll get right into it like I normally do. I've uh, got an amazing guest on the show i'm really excited to to be here he's yeah. uh been gracious enough to invite me into his house and uh anyway i'm here with marcus hey hey jason this is awesome man thank you this is so cool thanks for even wanting to have me on this oh well of course i would want to have you on, <laughs> well, on this I, I yeah i don't know well <laughs> i should i i have i know my love letters have uh, well i don't have know, been you know waning like, but well, I, don't, I don't know if like uh if if i'm one of the cool kids i don't know i don't always i've know always i've always thought so sit at the table so right on okay, yeah absolutely cool. right on well this is great man and uh i'm gonna start off by saying you came bringing gifts i'm gonna put this on my facebook and twitter and whatnot but you brought me some really cool uh labyrinth uh, figurines and that's amazing because I have some labyrinth stuff and it fits in with my room and and uh, that was really thoughtful of you so I, I thank you for that absolutely man. it was cool yeah I've got the the um the toys the Jareth oh two that's Jareths awesome. up there and then uh, they're next to the I've got a Donnie is that, Darko that is Hoggle in with the Jareth yeah it's a Hoggle with cool. the Jareth on that one and then the other one's him in like his his wizardy robes and then those are some Boglins if you remember those little things oh, that yep, were kind of labyrinth I do. Next to the Donnie Darko uh, Frank figurine, but yeah, that's a cool shelf, and then I just put them underneath there. So it looks great. It's amazing. Two Jareths. You know, what? I like uh, yeah. I like your Jareth action figure because they really uh, they threw down they on that crotch. Opposite, yeah, it's totally opposite of a Ken doll. Yeah, I mean, no, were, it's they were like they said, oh, you know what, we've got a hat. Yeah, there's creases in there. Yeah. I mean, if you get up close, I think there's pores on it. <laughs> I've never opened it's it. High def. it yeah. is high def. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's eye catching to say the least. That's what did they get the crotch right? Yeah, I feel like somebody though there was somebody in charge of that. Like, who let's find, let's make sure that we get the dick right. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things like I know this sounds weird. I just smoke so my brain goes weird places. But like I always thought about that. Like like I get, I guess, like if you work at a at a at a dildo factory, like you would probably have like, well, this is a, a a thing, right? They would make like a cast of something, and they'd go right. I, like I get that, and it, well, you know what it's for. Like it's for that purpose. That makes sense to me as a job. But like you know, the thing that never made sense to me was why did Terminators have dicks? Like they had to, right? Because because they never showed them. Well, but Schwarzenegger well, yes. shows yeah. up naked, and nobody was like, "Hey, who's this muscular, dickless guy?" Yeah, that's kicking everybody's ass. He walks up. Apparently, they go they they look him up and oh, down. What so do they he say? Has a, uh, laundry day or yeah, something yeah. like that. Laundry day. Yeah. Yeah, it would talk to the hand, right? Yeah. Whatever he does, whatever stupid line is. <laughs> but then you go, like, so some robot somewhere, like some function in the future of Skynet is to build, like, to, to mold a realistic human penis for no reason. It's not like it has a blade in it. Yeah. It's not a weapon. No. It's just they, they made otherwise a floppy they, He would have been like just stabbing people with his right. weapon dick. He was never going to use it. It's not functional. No. 
It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's the same thing. Like that guy had to sculpt a crotch and that was his gig because he had to make sure it represented Bowie's proper package. Yeah. You know, you make a dildo, it has to represent where it's going to go and what it's going to do. But that was always one of those like dick designing jobs that just felt really unnecessary to me. There's yeah. got to be some robot function in the future that's just like, I'm fine. Why? Can't this we just thing really go like, the dicks and, and they send won't them back? like women won't have breasts either like robot robots because yeah. they're like these things just kind of get in the way yeah like the same thing with the dick it's really just unnecessary Especially it's Florida gonna, we it can seems get like rid a of it opportunity and, to put a blade in there oh absolutely if you're going are we giving robots future robots ideas here's, about here's the, dick blades but then then it's a different movie because yep. if you can kill with your dick then why not just be like instead of killing Sarah you Connor maybe seduce, you ask her out to dinner yeah. Maybe you take, take you her out nice. The long con where you right, make the her long con. It's fall a, in love it's a with longer you. Yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. And then I trust you. And then sweet. Yeah. Blade. Yeah. Just so it's a like warm a, embrace. Yeah, it's a moral and physical victory. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't know where that came from. So but no, it I guess, works. Uh, I guess we've begun. I'm glad it's on there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is yeah. So well, thank you so much, Marcus, for oh, man, for thanks. coming on. I mean, uh, I met you back in 2009, mm -hmm. right when I started doing comedy, and you were always really like so nice to me, very helpful. Thank and you. And I mean, so thank you. But uh, also, you put me on. Uh, I opened for S Steve Solberg mm -hmm. in the Provo Wise Guys one yeah. one Saturday. That old, that old. Or where, I don't even know if it was really in Pro. That was the hardest place for me to find. Oh, I got man. lost getting there. I had to call. My sister who went yeah. to BYU, where is this? Yeah, it was, that's, there's a reason why it was only a club for like 0.2, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. There's like four or five people that headlined that club and then the rest of the people were hypnotists because yes, nothing else it's worked true. there. And then the club shut down. Like it was, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't great. <laughs> it wasn't great. Yeah. My dog who's outside, uh, so she doesn't she bark. Knows. She she's knows. She's aware uh, of how not how, great it was. Yes. She, oh, are you guys talking? I heard it. I'm from yeah. upstairs with my good dog ears. They say Provo. Exactly. We talk about the, uh, yeah. oh, oh, God, God, that damn place it. No, not sucked. that. Not that place. <laughs> <laughs> Hypnotism. That's yeah. what happened there. Oh, it was bad. But uh, you put me on uh, my first show at Wise Guys, actually. I opened for you at Trolley. Uh, room. I yeah, miss Trolley, God damn it, man. I miss that room. It was... It was such a. It felt like being hugged by comedy yeah. in that room because it was a, just a small tight. One hundred and twenty-five was a sellout. Like I mean, it wasn't. A, it was. I get it. It wasn't practical. It was no. one room in a big building. The rest of the room or the building wasn't really being used, but it had a great kitchen. It had a great. Oh man, I love that food. place. The, and the open mic there was felt so good because of how big right the place was. And if you had if you had like 30, 30 comics in that room and they all brought two people, that room was packed. To the gills, and there wasn't really anywhere else for the laughter to go. Like it just yes. stayed in there with you. Yes, and uh, that's what I'm that glad. I'm very happy that that's where I did my first open right, mic. Though? Because if if I would have done any of the mics that like the smaller mics around town now, that to start off that energy, it would I, it would have killed my enthusiasm yeah. for performing comedy. That's a good point. I thought you know like it's. That's the one I all when I tell people if they want to do, oh man, I want to do comedy. Okay, you got to go to open mics, and if they ask me where to start, always, always go to Wise Guys. It's you'll see. Not not only is it uh, 
not comics just filling the room, people that might not laugh at your jokes, not because they don't think they're funny, but because they're in their own head at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, uh, do I, how do I work through this joke? This right. is what I want to do. And so they aren't fully attentive. They aren't paying as much attention as people that came to the show. They paid to get in. And then that it's honestly the best. It's, it's the best open mic right. for cutting your teeth on comedy. And not to mention that the first time I I went, it was a fun. There were a lot of great comics. I just went yeah. the first week I went. I just paid, went in and watched to see kind of. I wanted to gain like, what do I? How does this work? You know, I think I think you made a very interesting point, and it's never really occurred to me that it might. You know, I look at our our scene, and it's very different. When I began almost twelve years ago, it was very different. It was a bunch of veterans who'd been doing this for 10 years at that point in that world that existed back then. The get on the road, go yep. and you know bust your ass in every town. And it was road dogs that were coming through, wise guys. I mean, my first few opening gigs were for dudes that like had been on the road for 20 years, guys like, you know, great comics. You don't really hear about them because they were like old when the cyber comic world yeah. broke. And guys like Nick Tyson and Bruce Baum and like, you know, dudes that had just had had been up and down the road, but but now there was this new kind of energy of younger comics. There were these cats that had kind of been reinvigorated by dudes like Chappelle or Dane Cook where comedy wasn't comedy wasn't Mitch so Hedberg much even, uh, yeah, where it's Hedberg, like set up punchline the, the boom, comedians like, of comedy yeah. you know where you had guys who it, comedy wasn't like late, guys on suits you yeah. know on on Carson anymore that were that told jokes in hey we're in here in Vegas yeah. it was it was it was cool and then you realized you know okay all right, there, there's a market for young dudes. It's it's interesting. It's like any business, really. You know, there's a there was a point where like the the singers were adults. Yeah, that's who sang. And there was like if you were a child the rap singer pack and all of the yeah, yeah, if you were a child singer, you were a prodigy. Yeah, you know the Jacksons were like Whoa, Michael Jackson. What and an even still thing. now, right. when you go back and you listen to the Jackson Five and you're like, how old was he? This kid was ten Shit, singing like this, man. So you. But you look at that and you go, this was geared towards older people. There wasn't a representation before then of like 20-somethings doing comedy. Yeah. It wasn't now. It wasn't now when everything... There's Vine stars who are 15 that are millionaires because they've already... They've mastered that world. Yeah. And like, I'm fo- I'm almost 40 going, that's... I don't even know what fucking what the, Vine is. Yeah. I, I don't have Snapchat. I'm not... I feel like I'm See, too I'm, far I, behind it. I'm not on Snapchat either. And somebody told me, well, you got to get on it. And like, but what? what? Do you know how... Do you know Twitter? Do you? That's what. That's kind of where I went. I didn't have Instagram. Yeah. I because by the time Instagram was like the thing to get on, I'm like, well, yeah. But then I start, and I'm like the dude that has 37, you know, followers on Instagram. When when everybody else got in on it two years ago, they got a million and a half. There's no. There's no catching up at that point. You, yeah. you either need to jump on. So yeah, yeah you got to get on it quick and be like almost one of the first people in it and just start and get figuring it, it but out. Then you, but then your whole life like is one which friends, one of these apps uh, am I going to use? A kid uh, that I grew up with in Morgan is 
Sean Duras on Snapchat. So I don't get it, but he just flew with the CEO of Snapchat to France to do some shit. He hung out with like 21 pilots yeah. doing shit. So he just, that's what his job is now is Snapchat. And comedy kind of changed because of all that. Yes. We have clubs that are booking Instagram and YouTube celebrities and people like that, you know, and you go, okay, now I'm, I'm not saying that it's wrong and I would never take away from what is funny because funny is subjective. But the world of stand-up comedy, um, I think for people to really last or really understand it, I, th I think too many people use it as a thing. Like, if I can do stand-up, then I can write a script and yeah. then I can get on a show and then I can be a thing. I get my pilot going, right? right. right. stand-up. It's like pilot right. success. Exactly. Like D on, on Sunny, she yeah. oh, stand-up because she's paying her dues. That's where you start. But, but, and I think that there are people who kind of come into well, know, Twitter, Instagram fame, and they do, like, they, they, they get up and they tell jokes. Yeah. Which isn't stand-up. Stand-up is what Bill Burr does. Yes. Stand-up is what Louis C.K. does, where you take people and you talk to them for an hour and a half, and you, you don't just say things at them to get them to react, like... Like an open mic. Because, well, that's what, exactly, and that's why people need to go to open mics is because right. you can get all of those trigger words that are just funny because you yeah. say it this way or you said that right. word. Well, it's the thing that I think most comics do is we go, if, well, people tell me I'm funny. So I need to get up on stage and prove that to either myself or to someone else, right? So I don't want to fail. So instead of going, here's something well thought out that I don't know if all of they go, what's the first, what will get a reaction? So that's why you go to open mic and every other joke's about jacking off or, or, hey, I was so, I was fisting my grandma. Yeah. And you go, oh, whoa. Well, it's your because, grandma. What? what? Oh, <laughs> it's so inappropriate. Yeah. 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 But, she's I like, but I had to dig her up first to get yeah. to her. Oh, hey, right. It's the old book of dirty jokes, you know, uh, and it's, it's instant and, and they get a reaction and they go, I'm funny. But the fact is, and there's nothing wrong with that, it's the process, but over time as we develop as comics and as we start learning and wanting to do more time, it's like a like a drug, you know? People who want to <laughs> oh do... God, and yeah. see, and that's the thing is people don't realize the power of, of time. You know, I tell people this, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't get into comedy and go, I can be funny for 20 minutes because you fucking can't. You can talk on a microphone for 20 minutes, it's probably fair, but you can't be funny because funny is... is 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 small. Yes. You know, it's it's you need to make this laughter happen. You need to continue. I'm not saying it needs to be and da 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 and beat and da 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 and beat, but it needs to be a consistent thing. And an hour is just made up of well, small little segments of time. Exactly. And so and people don't realize that Well, that, I had somebody look at one of my set lists once and go, Whoa, you have a lot of jokes. And it's just like, well, it has to be structured this way. And these are all it. It's right. not really that many jokes. That's about 40 minutes of jokes. It's a, but it's, it's a map. To how this. long did it take me to write 40 minutes of jokes? It's a well, it thing. took me a minute to, here and a minute there. 3 minutes See, here and and, do, and, do, and do, building This is it that how way. I do it. And my process is this. If anybody wants it, feel free to do it. I compartmentalize my life. Right? You have to kind of look at your life and step back from a far enough process where you're looking at it from like an overhead view and you go, yep. "Okay, what are three or four things that define me? I am this old, so I am married, I smoke weed, 
And, you know, these are the these yeah. are the basics. And any joke I write is either going to come from something that's funny in my marriage or it's funny because I'm old or it's funny because I was stoned and I thought about it. Yeah. And so I can go, okay, here's the basic structure of my act. And I can tell this three-story act in any way I want. I'm a stoner who's married and 40. I'm a 40-year-old who's married and I smoke weed. Yeah. I am, you know, uh, however you want to yeah. structure it. And then w within those structures, I can go, okay, well, this is a joke about marriage that would fit under this joke about marriage and I can tie this bit into this bit. Well, and that kind of fleshes out this piece and I can tie it to here or I can go from here to here. Yep. Or And so you kind of, <clears throat> well, all you're really doing is is writing, like you said, 40, 40 or 60 different bits. avenues for exactly. you to be able to go in different directions. And the more time you spend on stage, the more comfortable you are weaving and bobbing through that. You know, my wife's a wrestler and... Uh, in wrestling, it was the same thing. I did wrestling for a long time. And it's really funny how it's all really much the same, this, this kind of process of connecting and entertaining people. You go out there, and at first, you know, you're nervous, and you have to remember all your spots. It's a punch, then Here. a kick, and then you're going to be there, and, and you get nervous because if he misses a spot, you go, oh, what do I do? But three or four years in, it doesn't matter. You just go, you know, you look at your guy that you're going to wrestle. And I remember these conversations. When I, I worked this guy so much. We were like really close friends. This guy named Kevin he went by the name Validus when we wrestled. And he was a bigger dude. And so I was like the smaller guy that was trying yeah. to beat the bigger guy. And we got to a point where I could literally look at him and go, okay, so I'll go in and then we'll do the thing and then cut me off it like that <laughs> with the, and uh, yeah, and then he'll, yeah, he goes the thing and I'll go, yeah, do the thing and then you do the heat, come back out of it, we'll do, I'll do the, the spot while I come underneath and then the thing and then he goes, right, great. And and even in the ring, we'd call or we'd improvise and and you go, okay, now you apply that to really anything in your life, that, that, that process time. Of, of time and getting comfortable with something. It's the same thing with your jokes. <clears throat> Over time, I get so comfortable with an hour that it's, it's easy in my head to take a, take, I mean, probably three hours of material. And, and that's not to say I can do three yeah. hours. You never would. But you go, okay, well, that story could be there. And I wouldn't tell that story in this scenario. But if I told it all, it would be that long. Yeah, and you yeah. go, oh, so I'll just kind of bob and weave. If they're following yeah. me here and they're having fun, I'll go down this path or I'll go down that's, this yeah. path and I'll go down this path. And it's because you do it for these short little periods of time and that's what you're comfortable with is the is because I, I i know dudes who are like this 20 minutes is structured and you go well, yeah but what if you're four minutes in and they go and they don't like it and you're going oh well, i'm, I, I'm my, on the page for 16 my, more uh, minutes yeah it's crazy i am now finally like this past year if i'm doing 25 or less minutes i don't write my set list down yeah it's just i just okay wait, we'll mm -hmm. i'll start I'm going to start here. I'm going to start with this yeah. joke and then I can go here yep. or here depending on what uh, how dark are they going to yep. let me go? How right how, like how cute do i have to make it and, and you go and you fill it out well, exactly connecting with people that's that's one of the things that i think most comics forget to do and that's that's what we're here for. You know we're not a movie. We're not just up there going robotic things and you will laugh and we will not wait for you and the next... You know, that's that's one thing like about a movie. If you're laughing really hard and you go, I had to watch that movie three times because I, I laughed. It. Yep. In a comedy, a, a good comic, he'll wait. He'll ride yep. that laugh out and then as soon as it's done, he'll hit Boom. you with something yep. else. And then you he'll laugh hit again. you with and something then... else. And that's, that, that's what a great... Com, a, a great night of comedy is is it's a connection it's a conversation that you have with you and your audience it's shared energy think about really this. it's an uh, unreal thing like right. when you when you have a night where you say man like i crushed i felt those i people. felt yeah. so 
good. That felt amazing. And that's that what crowd it's about, is right. fun. That crowd was cool. And it's that's what it was, is you made that honest connection with them. Right. They related to you. You said something. There's been shows where I knew normally the topic that I was talking about was going to be offensive. Right. But I've had people yeah. in, like come up to me after and say, oh, man, that joke you had about this where I'm like about ready to brace myself with shit. I'm about to hear a horrible story about somebody's life. And then no, that was that was so funny. You know and why? It, they hit it. It's because it's because that we're we're salespeople. Yeah. Right. And the, if you're a good salesperson, if you're a good comedian, if you're good at what you do, and it's not a trick. Okay. It's not like we're trying to trick our audience, but our 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 goal is to connect with them. And if you're a salesperson, the first rule of sales is to sell yourself. Yeah. It's not to say to be a cheat or to sue things that are unfair, but to like it's much easier if you go to buy a car. Build a relationship. Right. With if, trust. if somebody if you go to buy a car and the guy comes up and he goes, Hey, what can I put you in today? What kind of car are we gonna and you go, Whoa. But if a guy comes up and talks to you, dude, fucking that's a yeah. rad Iron Maiden shirt. Have you seen him live? When did you see him? I've seen yeah. him three times. And you guys have a 40-minute conversation about Iron Maiden. And then he goes, oh, holy shit, shit, oh, shit you're shit. here to buy a car. I'm sorry, what are you fucking, yeah. what are you looking for, dude? And you'd go, I like this guy. And you'd trust him. And that's what comedy is. We're not out there to confront our audience and, and, and punch them into submission. We're out there to kind of go, who are you? This is who I am. Who are you? Oh, you're this person? Cool. I'm going to make you, I'm going to go this. And if they trust you, if they believe in you, if they like you, they'll follow you anywhere you want to go. Think about guys like Kinnison, who was just, you know, loud and he would say Mars things, but people go, fuck. Like they, they, they They liked him, him. they connected with him and he was able to do something. Well, even when you hear comics talk about Kinnison, there's never... They, it's love and admiration. Right, because he connected Always. with everyone. And that's why the greats were great. You know, there's very, there's very few great assholes in comedy. There, yeah, I can't... Uh, How many great... I've, most of the comics that I work with, that I looked up to, that were my heroes, that being somebody like... Wise Guys is an A club. And being... Can, and Robert Kelly, when he was into town, I got to yeah. do a podcast with him. And he, his exact words... Man, wise guys, that place is legendary. That's what he said. Bill his words. talked about it on his podcast. You know, David Tell brought it up on, on Rogan's podcast. It's because there's a connectivity there. People come there and they want to be entertained. They give themselves over. They open themselves up to that opportunity to be entertained. And that's really what's great. And when you watch those dudes, you realize, like, why they why they're good at what they do because you're watching them not on TV not on their Netflix special but in a room with 300 other people and when they're done guess what they're out there taking pictures yep. and guess what they're out there Joe Rogan stayed in that thing and met every one of his fans and if somebody asked him about MMA or asked him about, he would sit there and talk with them and engage them and you go that's why that's why somebody's good because they understand the power of connecting with people it's not just I threw something funny at you it's the ability to like in Rogan's case for example make you think a different way or in Bill Burr's case to challenge, to challenge very much challenge you what you're what you're comfortable with yes. or you know or sometimes just to entertain you yeah but no matter what it is in order to be good at what you do you have to connect with people if you like you were talking about somebody like Dane Cook uh, you made the point that in order to go out and sell out a basketball arena you you, you have you to earned that. that you well and he worked it over and over and then he could he just had that power of Really, it is connection. Right. People wanted That's to shut the is. fuck up and, and listen feel, and, and feel listen. That. And, yeah, with thirty thousand people or eighteen thousand or yeah. whatever those places held, it's 
it's insane when you think of like Larry the Cable Guy selling out a college football stadium or Brian Regan selling out the, uh, ESA yeah. for 11, 11 performances in a row. You go, that's not just because he's funny, it's because he connects and the people leave there and they go, oh my gosh, that's like- That me. was worth he's, that, he's, yep. I, I bought, you know, they, there's something personal about it. You see when people come up and meet you as a comic, they feel like they know you because they understand your material and they've connected with well, your point of view. And unlike, and usually like, unlike any other art form, music, you write a song and they feel the fucking music and right. they can relate to that song and oh, that song means this much, but you don't know the person. Right. You know the song when you love actors. It's you love the characters that they played, but you ne you don't really get much of that right. person. Stand up comedy is one of those rare, rare art forms where people actually expose right. themselves and open themselves up. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because people will ask you, they'll go, dude, what, what was he like? What was yeah. he like? And you go, fucking that, like that? That, you know, Marcus to me. I, I kind of speak of him in third person. It's weird. It's like Alice Cooper. But <laughs> to me, like off stage, I don't really, I'm not Marcus. Everybody calls me Mark. All my friends call me Mark. My wife calls me Mark. Nobody really calls me Marcus off stage because to me, like he's that extended kind of slightly turned up version of who I am. You know, you kind of go, uh, you know, this is this is me most of the time. Pretty mellow dude, pretty laid back. Um, I still have my same point of view, but I necessarily wouldn't be as maybe straightforward or as loud or as yeah. as necessarily opinionated as I am on stage, clearly, because you wouldn't be. That's why we always, well, as that, comics say, you know, that one dude who's always on, it's like, I don't know what just fell, but coins. something did. Coins, it sounded <laughs> like. Uh but you know, there's that one dude who's always on, and even when you're just chilling his comics, trying to have this conversation, he's trying to throw bits at you or trying to tag things as being funny, and you're just like, "Whoa, dude! Can you just be a person for a second? Work, can we just know? eat pancakes?" Yeah, that's work. I mean, not in the sense of like it's my job. I'm off yeah. the clock, but to me, like when I'm up there, I'm focused on entertaining people because they're my boss. They paid X amount of money or their school paid X amount of money to whatever it is, there, there's something exchanged and people are there and they've given faith at, that they are going to be entertained. And I need to be sharp. I need to be on my point. Yep. On point. I need to be able to go up there and do the show that they expect to see for the ticket that they bought and and represent who I am. If they've never seen me before, leave them going, what the fuck was that? It's amazing. You know, whatever it is, that's, that's when you're on. But, yes. But here else, you just kind of take in the world and you can go, oh, that's a cool thing that I can do. Maybe I can apply to what I do. But yeah, don't be, I, I tell comics, don't be on all the time because you'll miss your own experiences. Don't be so wrapped up in trying to be a comic all the time that you don't live. I, I think a, a, good, a good way to do things, this is just my uh, little tip, is remember the way you feel about the joke that you're writing. Like, if it's an experience, and for most things we're experiencing something or forming a point of view, make a make an emotional note as well as if you're writing down something in your notes. You know, remember mentally the way it made you feel, so that you can get back to that moment. Because if you can get back to that moment while you're telling the story and connect with your audience, they'll journey to that moment with you, and then that will resonate much deeper. And so. It's not just about the words and the timing. It's about, like we say, feeling, feeling. it. When these people say, yeah. you, when you feel it, like when you're at a concert and you fucking feel, feel it. it, when you're at a thing and you fucking feel it, when you're with a person and you fucking feel it, that's what it is. It's just humanity, us connecting about the silly parts of, that make us all different, but make us all the same. And it's just, it's, 
it's a cool moment to uh, to be able to experience. Well, and that uh, just talking about feeling it, the, it makes me think of because uh, I'm a huge Melvins fan, and King Buzzo, the guitar player of the Melvins, said I uh, was asked, "What do you think about you know people downloading music and being able to take that?" And he goes, "I don't care," because he said, "If if you're a, if you're actually a real artist." live performance that's something right. nobody can ever steal it's a you're in that moment there right. and it can't be re, it can't be replicated because you fucking felt it and think about that there's a reason you know um there's a reason why we're still talking about the melvins or we're still yep. talking about you know we talk, iron maiden iron maiden or pearl jam mm -hmm. or any of those black uh, sabbath black like, sabbath it's yeah. because they came up in a time and 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 I feel lucky enough to have done this too to come up in a time when your first few years, your first however long it is, you have to schlep and struggle, weren't things that you could just do from your phone in your basement. They were out on the road, yep. going to the shitty gigs, and forcing yourself to. And I I, I tell people, you know, the going and and doing open mic at a good club in front of a good crowd is just as important as having that shitty shitty night. The shitty shitty night teaches you <laughs> like I told to be you resilient. about Winnemucca the other right. <laughs> it teaches ago. you to be it teaches you to be resilient. It teaches you to go, well, that's as bad as it can get. That's shitty and if I can make it through that, then I can make it through pretty much Everything. anything. Yep. And so that kind of weeds out the people who are in it just to succeed because it, you can't That's I think comedy is Comedy from people like who have just only felt success would be boring. Right. You have it's right. It, oh my god. And, and and I think that's what people think it You'd is. That I'm a comedian, so every time I get on stage, I make people laugh because I'm a funny person. But that's not always the case. Sometimes you have to. I mean, there's there's so many variables of of these of the shows and the things you have to do. And again, it's time. It's like you get up on stage and people go, What about hecklers? And you go, Well, not every heckler is the same. Some people yell out because they're dicks. Some people yell out because they're having fun. fun. Some people yep. yell out because they're drunk. And if and how do I react to all of these? And what when do I make a thing? And when do I not make a thing? And how do I react when I do make a thing? And oh, that one time I tried that and that wasn't the way yeah, to do that it. Was That's not it. not it. Yep, I had so to dig out for too long. Right, and so you start learning and that's the experiences but it's all it's all of that and at the same time like you kind of need to know what it feels like to succeed too you need yeah. to know what it feels like to have that night where you just crush and and you go like for instance you know i remember the very first night i got time at wise guys i had i had gotten talked into going to meet keith and he knew who i was because i i did voices on the radio impressions and stuff at k-bear and John Moyer actually took me in and introduced me. He goes, oh, yeah, John, tell me about you. The guy who does all the voices. Do something. And I just had yep. to do three minutes in front of Keith in his office with other fucking comics standing around. And I just, I just did it. And he said, that's funny. Come back Sunday. I'll give you three minutes. And I came back Sunday. I did the bits again. And, and it was on a Nick Tyson show. And the, you know, the people laughed at what I did. And... I, I really wasn't dirty. I was doing voice bits and stuff like that. And I remember like, I had always made my friends laugh by doing voices or doing impressions for them at parties. Yeah. But I never thought that like an audience that saw real comics would laugh at me. And they did. And I remember how it felt. And, and it was one of those like, oh, that's it. 
Yep. You know, whatever it is in your life, whether it's it's who you are, the first person you kiss, the first time you you play music or or draw or whatever it is that you connect with. Fucking I don't care what it is in your life. As long as it like gives you that feeling of fuck, this is it. Yeah. Whether you be with that person that gives you the feeling of fuck, this is it, you know. It's not going to it's it's not going to get better. This isn't going to be the easiest journey, but I'm not going to find a better path to be on. This is what I feel. Whoa, fuck. I feel happy right. doing this. Doing Holy this. Shit. Even the even the shittiest night that I've had, even the worst fucking heckler, the shittiest gig in the shittiest town for the shittiest pay was still better to me than doing anything else. Yeah. You know, and and that's kind of how you apply to the great things in your life. And so I remember how that made me feel. And then I remember like kind of always having that same outlook though. You know, it was like when I started getting a crowd and getting a following in Utah and then I got an opportunity to go on last comic I was like okay but am I am well first of all what had happened was I had gotten the opportunity to do so this is how this Seattle. is how this, this is how this happened yeah, yeah. I did I, I did the Rocky Mountain laugh off which was here in 2007 2007 2007 yep. which was a huge year to be honest because it was me um like a bunch of dudes from here, Spencer King. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember all the local dudes. But Adam Ray was here. Uh, Adam Ray, who's now, I mean, he's been in the last every Paul Feig movie. He's got a show on uh, TBS with Eliza, who I was oh, on yeah. last comic with. Really funny. He was the voice of Slimer in Ghostbusters, for crying that's out loud. The Adam new Ray. Ghostbusters? Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Adam Ray is amazing. Jeff Dye also came down. and, and Jeff Dye is great. Who's a, who's a really great funny, funny comic. And he came down from Seattle and he was crushing in Seattle and everybody expected him to come down and come back to Seattle and, and be like, I won the contest. But I ended up winning the Rocky Mountain Laugh Off. Jeff came in second. And because of that, when he went back to Seattle, he told his manager about me and his manager, uh, or who did he tell originally? Yeah, his manager, Ron. And Ron was the guy who put together the, the Seattle, Seattle International Comedy Competition. And so... He said, do you want to come up and be part of this? And um, for those of you that don't know what the Seattle Comedy Festival is, it's it's a month-long competition that you're kind of – it's it, – there's it's probably there's like the biggest it's well it's, it's the most uh, it's the longest and it's probably the most uh, respected yeah comedy competition well in, because it lasts you, three weeks you end up doing like and the people they get every fucking it's, year it's, it's unreal the people who've done this in fact Pat when, Patton and O'Brien like lost first rounds Mitch, when they went in. Mitch there Hedberg won it like in, in yeah. 1997. I mean, the, the you look at the pedigree of this; it was amazing to be asked to do it. And so, basically, how it works is you have one week of like ten comics, and then a second week of ten comics, and then out of those ten comics, you get five that move on the first week, and five that move on the second week, and then you have like. If I remember correctly, then you have a week of those 10 comics, and then you have another week of the last five, five. comics. And every week, or I'm sorry, every night is a different city in Washington state, not just in Seattle. This isn't just, now we did a bunch of shows around Seattle. There was a show at the underground. There was a show, um, 
you know, at a bar up on the hill and things like that. But then one night we'd be in Walla Walla. One night we'd go all the way up to Bremerton. One night you'd go over across the river and you'd, you, or across the bridge and you'd do something over there. You know, one night you were at the other side of the state. You'd get have to carpool with dudes for four hours and you'd ride in these cars with other fucking young comics and just sit there with like a dude like Peter Gray who knows every fucking thing about comedy and just soak it in. And, you know, I was on there with guys that were just so fucking talented these these dudes who'd been crushing it and like guys like Dwight Slade who was up there who would host for us and these amazing comics and I just fucking I every night I felt like I was out of my depth but I just kept doing what I do you know and and you just kind of proved yourself like humans are humans everywhere you go and we did the coolest thing about Seattle is that every night not only is it a different city it's a different setting one yeah. night you might be in a 500 seat beautiful theater everybody there's in suits and the next night you're in a bowling alley in front yeah. of 25 people that aren't really paying attention and then the next night you're in a bar up in a lumber town and then the next night you're in a city center and then the you know yeah it, it's crazy and but you learn to do every single night and it was one of those things where like it, it taught me that this was something i could hack because I mean, some of these dudes were fucking ringers, man. I mean, comics that have been doing it for 25 years. I've been in the game like three fucking years at this yeah. point. And I was like, I don't belong here. You know, these guys are, are out there like crushing. This dude has performed every comedy club in America. This is my first time out of Utah. Yeah. But somehow I connected with people and I ended up, I ended up actually winning with two shows left because you just nobody they they're the points were they just, just mathematically so it was one of those things where it, it just blew my mind that i could i could go and i could hold my own on that kind of level and it's not to that i i i really hope that doesn't sound bragging i i, I don't know i don't no means like am i saying like i'm 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 what a great comic i'm what i meant was that that it was one of those experiences that meant maybe i was on the right path maybe i had chosen well and that that by staying focused because this was comedy for me it was kind of like a saving grace prior to comedy i was in a band and i had gotten really into coke and i'd gotten really into drugs and i was drinking really heavily and i decided to quit it all literally in one day i said i'm going to stop drugs drinking and smoking cigarettes all in one day and i walked away from everything in one day i don't know how i to be honest i look back on that and i i don't know that i did that myself i don't know what the universe what load they carried for me that day. But like, I, I did it and I never turned back uh, to this day. And I realized shortly thereafter was the first time I got on stage. It was almost like, like I needed to get rid of one thing to start this because yep. I, I could never get up on stage fucked up. You have to be present in your life and you have to have connection. And so it was like one of those things where not only did I get an opportunity to connect with a lot of different people, but I got an opportunity to connect with a lot of great comics and ended up winning Seattle and then Ron, the guy who put it on, he was actually the manager of Kristen Key, who was on, I believe, season four of Last Comic. Mm -hmm. So every year they would ask him if he knew any comics. And because we had just done this, he suggested me. And then he'd also suggested Jeff. And so I think Jeff went to L.A. to audition and I went to Tempe. And that was it. I won the Seattle competition in November. And I remember like... December was one of those months where I was like, okay, now what? Like, how do, okay, so how do I tell all the clubs out there that I just won this? 
You know, it was, I was like, yeah. how, how, now what would this do for me? And I really didn't know what I was going to do. And then in January is when I got the email from Ron. And uh, the end of January is when I had my audition, when I went out and got in line. And that was, that began that whole process. And it was all because of a competition here where I met Jeff Dye and then Jeff Dye, you know, and so you kind of go, these people you meet and these comics you connect with, everyone's important. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes you realize that in hindsight and it sucks, but you really kind of, here's a, if, if young comics are listening to this, know that everyone you meet is important because the, number one, they're, they're humans and well, we're all important. But number two, you just never know what that connection is well, going to do for your life. Not, it, not be like, you're going to get something out it, of them, but that we well, all just get, you know, we get stuff uh, from the universe, from just being good people. I think I learned <laughs> quite a few years ago, not to be bitter towards anybody else's yeah. successes. Because yeah. I remember I talking way, I had no idea who I was actually talking to. Two. And this person was a, a producer for a show. Somebody had shown him a internet video that I made and he thought it was fucking hilarious. And then he asked me what I thought about somebody else who has a show on E and I was not a fan and so i was vocal very and like on a dickheadish instead of rather just i could have just been ah you know what i'm not really that big of a i've never exactly and and talked way out of turn about things and uh it shot me like i lost a A possibly a good opportunity for maybe even a writing position or something right which fuck me for you know, I had those shit. moments. Yeah. I had those moments where you go, all you had to do is react slightly differently. Yep. Whether it's on stage or whether it's in a relationship with somebody. You know, last comic, last comic became a really contentious thing, and it, I really felt bad about it. I still do for years because it was like, well, all right. Yeah, let's can we talk? Yeah, sure. let's talk. Here's let's delve into it. Yeah. Here's the story. Okay, so I get this opportunity. Ron says, "Do you want to audition for this show?" I say, "Great." So I head down to Tempe now. To kind of give you an idea of how the show works, when you watch the show and you see that big line of comics out front, now, I don't know if that, because they don't do the show anymore. I can only speak to the year I produced, but those people that were out front didn't even get inside. I had an audition and I was in a back room with me and all of the other comics that I... Anybody really who went through was in that room, and then people that I recognized from from you know the com- the comic world. I mean, I'm back there, and like April Macy's sitting back there, and like uh, Christina, uh, what's her name, Pazinski was with April Macy. Adam Hunter was in my group. Um, Rocky Laporte was in that room, and then we were in the room with all of the weirdos. So it was either real comic or dude dressed as Robin Williams. Real yeah. comic or guy that was an alien. Real comic or girl with the biggest boobs in the world. So that's what they started funneling in. Now, the thing is, is that I sat in this room for like, I got there at eight o'clock in the morning and I sat there till probably about two before I was seen by producers and you walk in. And this is why I tell people it's so important to understand how, how to do small time. They wanted 90 seconds. It, 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 put that in your head. Turn your phone on, do 90 seconds and go, that is the amount of time that you have to impress somebody to tell them who you are, what you're about, how funny you are, find a joke, get on that and do it. So I walk in and I did it. I put, I just 
the, you walked into the improv and it was these two producers about 20 feet away from you at the back of the room. They didn't even look up. You did your jokes. And I remember doing some jokes and they were like, that's, that's funny. What else do you do? And I went, great. Did another joke. And they went, that's good. It says here you do voices. Can you do that? And I said, great. And so I started just rambling voices off and they went, that's really funny. If you come back this afternoon and do that, we'll let you come back. And I said, great. Sure. Producers. <laughs> Thank you. So I was like, I was really stoked. And then I got to come back to the judges audition. So that was actually one round of filters. And then when I came back and we were in line to do the celebrity judges, um, you know, we didn't really know who it was. And uh, my, my two judges were Kathy Najimi and Fred Willard. And I didn't find out it was Fred Willard until the dude who went in front of me opened the door and the other door was shutting. And I saw Fred Willard's face. Like, Shit. And I went, I mean, Fred Willard is a legend and literally one of the funniest men who has made and been a part of some of my favorite films. Uh, Everything he does with uh, Best Christopher in Show. Guest, yeah. I mean, he's genius. He's been an Anchorman. He, How anchor, fucking funny is he in Anchorman? He's been Holy literally shit. in every, think about every great movie, every, a, a guest spot in every great TV show. I mean, he's a legend. And I had to go out it's and be true. funny in front of this guy. And I went out and I just, I did some bits and then I did my voices uh, some voice stuff and then that's really funny and I got to move through and it's funny because after when this all aired they only showed the after part of my audition so they didn't actually show my audition the jokes that I was doing they just showed me riffing and so I got ripped into online. People hated me from the beginning of the show because they were like he didn't even do jokes he just went out there and just did stupid voices and so it kind of became a thing where they really wanted that so okay I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway, that night I went back. I did my audition. That's what you saw on TV. Yep. That's how it worked. So I got invited back to do the semifinals. Now, semifinals were in Vegas. And I kind of had to start thinking of a strategy because my act wasn't 100% impressions. It wasn't. I had 10, 15 minutes at the end. And I'd used most of the great bits, you know, with longer bits, but they needed to be longer or they weren't up to par on the other ones. And I wanted to prove to people that if, I, if this was the last time they were going to see me, that I needed to show them I wasn't a one-trick pony. It wasn't all about voice stuff. Now, the show hadn't aired at this point. This was probably February of that year, of 2008. Um, and so we went out, and there was 32 of us in the semifinals. And you kind of like start realizing, you know, you're part of this. And you're looking around. And it's a real cutthroat thing. I mean, that 32 was packed. That 32 I mean, I think back, Dan Nutterman, Eddie Pepitone, uh, fucking Dan Cummins. Oh, my God. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, uh, oh, God. I can't remember her last name real quick. I will. I'll come back to it. Um, Jackie Cation was in that group. Uh, I mean, I'm, going, I'm just going through, like, the people that were, that were in that group, you're just like... To, to, be, to be singled out from number one, I, I, you realize in, in kind of in retrospect that it's a casting process. It's not about who's the funniest comic. You kind of go, I'm playing this role. And that's what I learned at the semifinals. I went out and I did the joke that I did about Britney Spears and did my Oompa Loompa song, which turned out to be my most popular bit that I did on that show. I got a standing ovation from the crowd that night in Vegas for my, for my three minutes. And it's hilarious. If you ever go back and watch that clip, Watch my hand. I'm I'm trying to tell a joke, and it's like this is my shooting hand. Like my mic is just going back and forth like this. I'm telling the joke like I'm the coolest cat on the planet, and my hand won't stop shaking. And I got a standing ovation, and the judges 
which were Steve Shrippa from The Sopranos and Richard Belzer were sitting there and they go, hey, it says you do impressions. How come you didn't do any impressions? Do something. So I just went and I did uh, the bit I did about walking, stabbing a face with a soldering iron. So I just thought, well, yeah. I need to do something that's instantly recognizable. And nobody's going to be like, who was that? Yeah. You know, so I so you choose walking. The fuck not? It's it's a good impression. Another thing they ripped into me for. Oh, Marcus just doing the easiest impression ever. I'm like, what did you want? Like a fucking Andy Garcia monologue from some obscure movie? Go fuck you yourself. Don't know. Yeah. You know. So so uh, I get off stage that night and um, I ended up getting moved through. In fact, I was the first person in my semifinals group to move on to the house, and I was just floored. I was going to be part of this show. And it was insane. We'd been in Vegas and I just, it, none, none of this had aired and I really couldn't talk about it. And, uh, and, and I'm walking out and I'm walking through the little cobblestone walkway that led from the Paris to Bally's. And one of the producers came up to me and I was just all smiles. And I, and I said, oh man, what a great night. Thanks so much. And I said something like that. And she goes, yeah. She goes, next time do the fucking voices. And I just kind of went, what? And she was like, yeah, no, that was funny. That was good. But just uh, from now on, just do the fucking voices. And I was like, oh, I get it. I'm this guy. That's who I am. I'm the, impre- I'm the voice guy. And they fucking tried every time. Every time I'd be on there. And, and, and so people thought that's what all I would do. Cause like they would interview me on the show. Like once we got in the house and we'd had all our adventures or whatnot, and they'd be like, tell us about today. And I'd be like, I'd tell the story and they'd go, now, how would Adam Sandler tell it? How would, how would Christopher Walken tell it? And I'd go, come on guys. And I go, wow, we went to a car wash today. And they'd go, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Do it, do it, uh, do it like this guy. And so I would do it. Cause I'm not going to be like, no, go fuck yourself. But then, then the funny thing was, is like, this was January, February and March. This show didn't start airing till May. Yeah. So I did everything that I was doing on that show up till the finale by March. I had lived in the house. I knew I was in the top five. I had won immunity at the final challenge. All that had been done. I couldn't tell anybody. I just said had to tune in and then had to watch at the end of May to see how they portrayed portrayed this. And I found a few things where like, I was like, nope, I said that about something else. Nope. I said that about something else. And it's, and that's when. That's when everything started because in the house, it all played out very, very basically, but nobody really saw that because of the way that the, the, the cameras portrayed it. Basically what happened was there was older comics who were more experienced, who had done more headlining gigs. And then there were other comics who had a great audition set, but only had 10 to 15 minutes of material. And we knew that. And it was like blood in the water. I'm not going to, if you're out of material, I'm not. In fact, one of the comics, I won't say which one, raised their hand at our meeting when we were at Universal doing our paperwork the day we moved into the house and said, will we be able to go to any open mics? I kind of used up all my jokes. And so we just went, well, there's, there's our target. Yeah. I mean, if you're out of jokes, then we'll, we'll just choose you because, you know, that's how it went. So the first week, that's really what happened. We went after, well, I guess the show would have told you how it went. We went after Esther Koo, every single one of us, because she was a young comic. Esther's great. And she has a lot of success. She's doing a lot of great things now. But at the time, she only had a few minutes and she'd, you know, so it was, that's all it was. It wasn't that we, we thought we were better than anybody. It was, we're playing a game here. 
So everybody kind of went after Esther and whatever. So I remember the politics of how it went. Esther believed that she could beat Eliza because she thought, well, I can, I can't. And I, you know, that was the thing is it, it, all these gender politics played into it, but we never saw it that way. Like Esther was like, I can't beat the boys. And we're like, why? why? You're funny as shit. And she goes, I can beat the other girl. And then she picked her and then she picked God's Pottery, who were the two dudes who kind of play, were characters. And the funny thing about that was, was all of us, all of us kind of made that decision too, to be 100% honest, because it was hard to compete with, not in the sense that like we felt like we couldn't hang with them, but it was like if we were having breakfast, we weren't necessarily on, but they were still in character. So it was kind of like, we, I get to just be Mark having breakfast, but you're still Borat. Yeah. Because you're tr- well, and it's them trying to like that scurry of I gotta go, I gotta, I gotta write, I gotta do right, I gotta right be, yet. I still gotta be a thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm not me, I'm not my actual name, I'm the character that I am in this <laughs> in this group. So it was kind of like, you know, th- that's kind of how we figured, all right, that that if if she was out of material, and they were kind of a weird character group that you would need more than three minutes to get to really understand, then okay, that's how we'll vote. And a week will go by and we'll be safe. So that's what we did. We picked who we picked. We kind of knew what we were going to do. It played out how we played out. And Eliza went out there, got challenged, and she went out there and she fucking killed. And she's a great comic. She's awesome. She went out there and she fucking killed. And so we were all, we all knew what we wanted to do the next week too. Because we we kind of started seeing, um, again, like there were there were kind of, you know, the, just kind of the way it played out. The way that we looked at playing the game. So... The next week, uh, we went to another challenge, did another thing, did blah, blah, blah. We get to the end, and we voted for a comic named Paul Foote, who's a really, really funny comic, um, kind of a character, kind of a quirky guy from Britain, but not a guy that you're going to understand in three minutes. This never, never had anything to do with going, you're not funny. And then we picked Papa CJ, who was an Indian comic, who also kind of had maybe maxed out his material. It was kind of... Um, I'm from India, mass destruction, call centers. Yeah. And we kind of went, okay, then that's really all it came down to is just playing the game and going, because the less time we had to do, it was less material we had to use. And when you're talking about TV time, three minutes of TV time is like 10 minutes of your you're act. Right. Yep. So, so you condense it, condense all. it and, and get it in. Right. So that's really what it came down to. So we, we vote for him. And now Papa CJ I mean, he was very blatant about this. He did not think women were funny. So he's like, I can beat the girl. That's how he wanted to stay on the show. I can beat the girl. And Eliza was pissed. I mean, to, I'm not, you know, we were good friends in the house. Me and her were really, 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 really close. And, uh, you know, she was, she was, she'd be getting challenged and she was running out of jokes. And to her credit for that second set, she went up on the roof of that house and wrote a new set and went out there and crushed again. But she was upset about being picked twice in a row. And I can see that. We, we didn't pick her. Yeah. Papa CJ did. So now it comes down to the end. And then I win immunity at the final challenge. And then the, the other seven comics, there's eight of us left, are going to find out who moves on to the final five when we come back live. So we leave. Go home for a month and a half. And then the show starts airing. And then people start knowing who you are. 
and you watch the show and you'd watch your MySpace friends go up and you'd get 300 requests in an hour and then 400 and then it just kept going up and then you started noticing it and then people were calling you and then that summer I got gigs while the show was airing and I was making money, like money, like I hadn't made money. I, and, and it wasn't even like, like I was making like thousands. I was making money for, like people were paying me to do gigs. Yeah. Like, and it was crazy and I, and I just remember, like I wasn't, I wasn't famous. I wasn't even prepared for this. My car almost got repossessed right before I went back for the finale because I had I was so broke, and and uh, and then we went back to Vegas, and I remember like the first time we were there, I could walk, I I could just walk around, didn't matter. And then the second time I went back there, and people started going, "Hey, it's Marcus. Hey, there's Marcus." And I was like, "What the fuck? Holy oh, shit!" Yeah, I guess people watch this. I never occurred to me that people watched it, and then I. You know, I had watched it too, and I noticed that they played it very much like, look at all these boys picking on the girl, and they'd really, they'd really skewed it. And to, to our young, dumb, stupid, idiot credit, a lot of us believed it, and we started buying into it. And by the time we got back to the finale, it was a little more tense, and it really, it really bummed me out. And then we got to the thing, and then the five of us were the final five, and we got to go on tour, and we had about a week off from going on you know being done with the show to going on tour and it was like it was like something happened it was like we all kind of bought into our own hype about you know we, we oh well you know she only won because she's a girl no she's a funny comic yeah i mean i understand the idea that last comic standing does tend to represent a different comic every year just because that it went from an Asian comic to a, a white comic to a black comic to a Spanish comic to a lady comic to... Wh that yeah, that doesn't it, necessarily mean they're giving a role to every single person, right? Yeah. It just means that, th that that's the year that, that that talent stood out. And I feel like we kind of took it to heart. Like, if we expected her to go, hey, guys... Aw shucks, it was my turn this year and 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 acknowledge that. And she kind of all expected us, I think, to probably go, hey, you know what, you deserve the win. And I don't think any of us really did that because we were too busy feeling like, you know, well, well I should have been, I should have been the one, or gosh. And then you'd get out on the road and people formed opinions. And every night you'd go stand out of that merch table, stand side by side, and and you'd hear somebody go, Man, you should have won. Oh, I voted yeah. for you. You should have won, motherfucker. Oh, I, I no offense. He should have won. You know, saying it to any of us. And you start believing it. Yeah. And you start buying into it. And then we would get into fights and we would we would all argue. And and I look back on it now and I go, you know what? All we fucking had to do was understand that we were playing the more in fucking Seattle. That we were playing the goddamn Hard Rock Arena in Orlando. Yeah. That we were doing shows at the fucking House of Blues in Vegas. And it wasn't about, guess what? Those seats were sold before I was on that fucking show. Those seats were sold before they knew Marcus was going to be on the tour. So it wasn't fucking about me. It should have been about the experience. And that was one of those times when I really had to learn that ego has no place in what we do. Because it's never about you. If you don't do your three minutes, somebody else will. If I don't do on the weekend, there's another comic who will. It's not like the, com the, the microphone will ever go dark because Marcus didn't tell a joke. That's never going to happen. And I really look back on that with a lot of regret because I would really love to have gone back and experienced 
going from city to city on a tour where like you get off a plane, there's a dude holding a sign with your name on it and he puts you in a limo and they take you to a hotel. Like that shit's never going to happen to me again. That was amazing. That was something that was special and it was something that they don't even do anymore. Yeah. And so I really wish that I could have gone back and removed any sense of ego from that and just really soaked that experience up rather than being bitter about it. I mean, I knew that it, I knew that it really had nothing to do with comedy the night that we voted because in those days you either call in or you could vote online. And I remember voting online and it said, you can vote up to 10 times for your favorite comedian, asterisk. And I scrolled down to see what the asterisk was. And I got down to the bottom and I remember it vividly. There's a line that said, the producers of Last Comic Standing reserve the right to change the amount of votes that count for any contestant at their discretion. It was the exact words. And I looked at that and I went, well, motherfuckers. So they can make it so... Anyone wins. Anyone. Anyone can win. Only eight of my 10 count. Six of his 10. Four of his 10. If that's something that they can do, not saying that they ever did, not saying that's why anything happened the way it did. Please don't get me wrong. I'm saying that if that's a caveat that they have, then it really doesn't matter who's the funniest. And to be honest, who gives a fuck? Who, who's All of the you funniest? are funny. Who's the that's funniest? A- right. Name the funniest comic in the world. Name him right now. Who's the funniest comic? People listening at home, yell it at your radio or whatever you're listening to. You can't. Who's the funniest? And then you go, okay, well, he's funnier than him. And he's funnier than her, and she's funnier than them. And there's no. Well, it's that's all, the whole. It, it's all subjective. Who it's all do you make like? You laugh. Yeah. It's all going to make you feel something. It's all going to have that connection. So it's really not. It's really not about being the funniest. It's never about being the funniest. It's about being present in what you do. Because if you're thinking about where what it means to your status or what it means in the comedy world or anything, you're going to miss the point of connecting with the people that are watching you at that point. So just be present. And if you get success, be fucking present in your success. And if you get failure, fucking live that failure and feel that fucking failure and know what it feels like because you're either going to rise up from that and go, I don't want to feel that again in anything. It's not just comedy or your job. If you get in a fight, me and my wife got in fights and it's like, I feel awful. I don't want to feel yeah. like this again. I'm not, I don't want to do Let's this not again. Do this. Let's not do yeah. this. This is stupid. Oh, did we learn? Cool. Yeah. Let's and you move, move on. on. Exactly. And I feel like that's just about being present in your own life. And being um, just just like appreciating where you're at, you know, and not taking it for granted, not thinking that it's really about who about you. It's just part of the journey that you get to be on. And and, and that's that's what's so cool about this. I, I say this to guys all the time. I, I it's not about getting laughs. I think that's such an interesting, stupid thing. I'm getting laughs. Like I'm getting something from you. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're making people feel something emotionally on command. You're making them feel good because of something that you put together and wrote and structured to make them feel good, not make them feel bad. I don't want to make my audience feel weird or make them feel uncomfortable. I want to make my audience feel good. I want to make them feel good because when they feel good, I feel good. You know, when there's a good vibe in that room, you have a much better show. When you have, you know, especially when you're doing music or stuff like that, when I'm, when, when we have to get people to listen to us and, and, and have quiet moments, whether it's in comedy or whatever you're presenting, those quiet moments are important because then you can hit them with something, you know? Yep. And, and it's, it's just not being afraid of any of that. Just being present for all of those emotions and, and understanding like what, what you're really getting across to these people. And, and that, they remember you not because of the thing you said, but because of how it made them feel or how it, they went, oh yeah, I do that too. I feel yes. the same way. That's what it's about. That's all it's about. It's about how you make other people feel. That You know what? That's life. If you really want to put it down to it. That's what life is. Life is just 
the meaning of life is how do you make other people feel? It, yeah, I don't. I don't have anything else. I can't solve all the world's problems. If I had all the money in the world, I couldn't go and make sure everybody was fine. I couldn't. I there's just not enough time. You can't do all that. You can't solve all the problems. You can't make sure every dog in the world is loved. Although I wish they were. Yes, every animal absolutely. Or every, you know, you can't solve all the problems. What you can do is be present and be there and be thankful for the times you get and be present in your journey and just, just have that kind of like, you know, sense that that what you're giving out is important and, and will resonate with people. You smile at somebody, that might change their day. You know, make somebody laugh, that might, how many times I've had people come up, you probably had the same thing where people come up and go, man, I needed that. That yep. was, that was, I had a shitty week and you know what? I came out tonight and I, thank you. And you just, and there's nothing you can say. You just kinda, it, it's, it's humbling to go. I, anything that I say that made you feel something and took your mind off shit, cause we all have shit. Yeah. It, if it took your mind off your shit for just a few minutes, then fucking a. Then I feel fucking good. Fucking a. Fuck, I'm glad. I'm you may, and that's the whole thing is when somebody tells you that too, you can go, thank you, and then yeah. it's like, oh, you just made me feel so goddamn yeah. good, man, for yeah. just saying and that because that's, that's and you feel we good shared a moment feel like good. that's right. You, and that's, you actually, it's a, it's almost like uh, an immediate friend. Like you want to give him a hug. Like right. goddamn, yeah, man, yeah, pull it in. I'm sorry you me. had a shit week. There's people that come up to me and go, hey, man. You, you remember me? I was at a show six years ago and you came up to my brother and he, and I'm like, holy fuck. I don't remember fucking shit about that night. But be, not because, but because I've had 150,000 shows. So many so whatever, shows, yeah. I don't know. But the fact is, is that they remembered that shit. You know, they fucking remembered that shit. I still remember the first time I saw Eddie Murphy Delirious. I still remember the first time I heard uh, Bill Cosby Wonderfulness on my dad's record player. I still remember the first time I heard Stephen Wright on the Dr. Demento show. I still, <laughs> fucking hey, I was gonna, look at this shit. I'll show you something. I found this recently in my parents' house. I haven't even posted this shit online. This is actually the fucking holy grail of my comedy. When I was 10 years old, I used to sit in my parents' Uh, in my in my room in my parents' house, and I had a little recorder, and I would oh, record. Shit, yeah, I would record off the Doctor Demento show, and I would write out all of the all of the bits, all of the bits that were on here, and I would I would keep all of these. And this was the first time I heard Stephen Wright, and this was the first time I'd heard uh, a lot of stand up or any stand up really, because I didn't watch the Tonight Show all that much. Yeah, you know, and I would hear funny songs, and I would hear these people cool. doing these things. You know, I mean, this is I this love to cassettes. me is it's it's crazy. Yeah, there are a bunch of goddamn cassettes that I, well, I that, kept back in the old days. That's awesome. And the, and the funny thing was is like my dad has a bunch of ra old radio shows. Yeah, for, uh, same thing from Does like really? the yeah. He has but, a bunch of cool but we shit. remember it. Yeah. You probably still remember the first time you heard the music that you ended up connecting with. Yeah. The first time you saw the person that you ended up connecting with. I mean, we remember those things. Like I said, back to the beginning, they remember the moment that I got up on stage because they're important. And the reason why we remember them is because you can kind of trace back the beats of your life. And it's a super cool thing. So, you know, I just... I, I guess hoping now, like, and that's, like, like, moving forward in comedy or whatever we do from now on... Uh, is more about, you know, I don't know, just uh, embracing wherever you are. I think that's why you see a lot of comics, they get into their older age and they just start going, ah, oh, you know, he's, like Louis, he's so good at embracing the the aging and, and the yeah. curmudgeoniness of it and, and, and not going, hey, I'm still a, you know, trying hey, to hey. play against it. He's like, oh, fuck. This I, is who no, I am. Jesus, I'm 
fat as shit and fucking my belly, you know, and he's just, <laughs> that, that's great. That's, a, that's fucking amazing. Richard Pryor embraced lighting himself on fire. Oh my God, dude, that. And, and, and he, and it, he turned himself into an, turned it into an amazing comedy special, well, you know? I remember, I think the first Richard Pryor stand-up I ever saw was Live on Sunset Strip, yeah. where he talks about stopping his ex-wife, his then-wife, from leaving by pointing a gun and shooting the tires, and that's a horrifying thing. Yeah, truly, the like, whoa, you did that, but the way that he talks about it, right, is it's see, and it, and, it, and the reason it resonates is, is is we can kind of step back and go, but yeah, at the end of the day, maybe we've never gone to that extreme, but because of the way that he tells the story and because of the way that he was able to connect with people, we're able to see it on a level of maybe I haven't had that exact experience, but I've been in a situation where shit yeah. like that happened and. Only in retrospect, you kind of go, fuck, that was dumb. And you laugh and a little bit about it. And that's what comics do. That's what all comics should do. Don't think about what's funny and try to tell that on stage. Think about what you want to talk about. What's important? What matters to you? What are you going to give a shit about when you have to talk about it for an hour? And, and it's going to come out as real and genuine to your audience. And then find the funny in that so that you're not... You're not ever forcing beep, yourself. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, like, just yeah. Like, you ever see a guy who's doing the um, the impression of a comedian? Like, hey, yeah. so here's a thing. You guys ever do this? No, no, man. Like, just go up and talk. <laughs> Levi Rounds once told me someone got up on stage at one of the open mics, the old Moe's open mics, and said, hey, who here likes having fun? Oh, and it was a real genuine, yeah. they just really went for it. It's, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those things where it's, you realize that success and honesty and all of that is a lot harder. That's why there's, there's, there's very few people, you know, it's sad. I can name, I can, you look around the world and you just go like, how are people fucking each other over? But yet like every comic I've ever met has been pretty much a cool fucking dude. Yeah. You know, like, is there a reason why once you kind of. You know, people think we're all curmudgeons or we're all, you know, pissed off or all jaded, you know. I think it's just more that we're, we, we, we all take time to kind of examine why we do the things we do. And, and then, I don't know, it, it, I don't even know what I'm trying to get at here. I, I mean, honestly, I, I, uh. Well, I think it's easy because you're sharing your opinion. It's easy to be pinned as an asshole as a comic yeah, because you're sharing your bitching. Yeah, yeah. But, but in reality, it's it's, really not. Not, it's a positive thing. We're kind of examining the minutia of life that makes us all the same, and whether or not, like I said, yeah, like we're saying, you, you have the same experiences. We can all kind of relate to the humanity of failure or anger or disappointment or aging or what is this new thing or yeah. I don't, you know, whatever it is. I think it's just, it's harder to, to go out there and you go, it's, it's hard to be honest. You know, it's hard to stand out there and go, this is who I am. These are my opinions. It's not a, like you say, it's not a song where I can hide behind a drum or a guitar. And yeah. if you don't like my opinions, maybe you like the beat. No, if you don't like my opinions, if my jokes, my bits, my whatever, you're not going to like me. You're not yeah. going to react. And so it's hard to be honest. It's, it's very easy to create a false you well, or a, it's, how nobody likes to be hated. No. So if no. so if someone, oh, you hate my opinions, but you're you take it as God damn right. it, this person hates me. And so that's why sometimes it's scary to be that honest where yeah. you're just well, here's the 
Here it is. Truth. Here it is. This is who I am. And you know, and I I think my style's changed over the years to kind of reflect that because I have too. I mean, I have far less energy as a human being, and it's probably (laughs) why I have far less energy is on stage. But but also, I feel like uh, I feel like you know, you kind of get into a place where it's all right to kind of be not not stoic, but just not bouncing around all the time like a crazy, energetic asshole. Yeah, it's fine to just kind of stand and. Sometimes we sit down, tell a joke, do a something, you know, as long as you're connecting with your audience, then it really doesn't matter as, as you know, just, I think, I think following and being like, and like I said, be present. If your audience is hyped, fucking be, be hyped. hyped. Yep. If, uh, if, if they're not, if like, if your audience is, is, is kind of, you know, in this move, fucking follow them. That's what I like to do. I like to go and I'll smoke right before I go on. Cause my shows, we always kind of work with, um, it's it's cool because I, I like to work with dudes who get the energy of the show, you know? So you kind of do the same type of thing. You go up and guy will be on the shows or whatever. And while guy's on, I'll go and smoke a joint. And then I'll just come back and I'll sit in the back of the room and I'll close my eyes and I'll just count the beats. Because I know how guys guys' jokes are supposed to, you know, like I've I've heard... I've heard the beats, so I know this one is a da 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 da, and it, and on this joke, they laugh for this long. I know it, and so I'll sit and I'll go, okay, oh, okay, they're up, oh, they're little short laughers. They're burst and then down. They're burst and then down. Yeah. They're a reset crowd. Okay, all right, uh, this side of the room. Okay, all right, this. Okay, these guys are, and we got people. Okay, and you just feel the room, because if you if you ignore the room and you just think about the jokes, the jokes don't matter. If if you're just saying them, I'm just saying things. No, that that doesn't matter. You need to connect. So fill the room. I know my jokes. I'm fine. I've got more than enough to do tonight. Yeah. So I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna focus on who these people are and how they feel and how this show feels differently from the first show or from last night's show or from the last time we were here. Feel it. Be present. That's. I mean, it's really not that fucking hard. But it's it, it is when we get wrapped up in ourselves, right? Or get too wrapped up in who in your your ego or the distractions of the world, or you know, it, take it personally if somebody's talking at your show. Fuck you! No, man, shut no. the fuck up! No. Did, you, did they give you a fucking microphone, motherfucker? Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Hey, maybe they just had something to fucking say real quick, man. Yeah. Just. And you wouldn't know that unless you were present and understood it and just felt it out. Do you want me to tell know. you something? Create. I uh, had a comic. Uh, that came in from LA and I was doing shows. She has friends that live here and she came up to me right before the show and she said, I was hosting and she said, hey, so my my friends don't get to come out very often because uh, her fiance has Tourette syndrome. And so if you hear anybody yell out or anything, please don't bring attention to it because that, and that, so, well, thank you very, yeah, <laughs> thank right? you for telling me that because if someone just yelled, cursing out yeah. in the middle i would not maybe know exactly how to react but yeah who knows you never read know. the situation yeah be just and that's just again be present like people always ask you for advice and it's funny because not until you get like i'm all, like i said i'm almost 12 years into doing comedy and it's, it's it wasn't until i was i don't know six seven eight years in that i even kind of even understood where i was at as a comic or understood what it meant to be a comic or understood who i was as a comic and and I'm still growing. And it's only kind of a, to a point where you're in something long enough that you can look at it in retrospect and see all the things you've done right, done wrong, and kind of how they've gotten you to where it is that you understand, like, oh, so all the bullshit 
could have been so much easier if I would have understood the process, but I can't understand the process till I get far enough in to look back on it and, and go. understand it. Fuck. It's like that age you get to where you go, Jesus Christ, everything my parents said was wrong. Right. Oh, I, God damn, I remember that. Oh, moment. And God. I remember going, God damn it, I'm an asshole. Yeah, Holy right? You almost shit. want to call and just go, listen, I'm so sorry. I, I know, didn't. I know now, I know. Yeah, and then, and it, and you you see that because you kind of get to a point in your life and, and you know, as comics, we say that and go, when I was a kid or, yeah. like, you know, but it's true. You know, you're a kid and you say, I oh, will let my kids do anything they want. I'll do all this. And then you get older and you go, fucking nay, no way. No I'm going to be stricter than my parents. I'm yeah. going to be even more. And and, and guess what, motherfucker? I shouldn't refer to my son as motherfucker, but, and guess what, little, little guy? I did drugs, so you aren't yeah. going to get away with it. My yeah. parents had no clue. Exactly, right. And you, you're so much I smarter. I fucked up so much worse than they did because I'm an asshole. You're going to be good. But but then there's new things. Oh, there's God, new, yeah. There's new... The world changes, and now all of a sudden, now you're trying to... Do the parent? You're the same as your parents. You you grew up in the fifties, mom. You grew up in the eighties, dad. Fuck oh, what? God damn! I fuck right. Yeah, like, but we had Muppet things. Yeah, we had right. Real like there was shit in our movies. God damn. Yeah, it. they were real practical effects back then. God damn it. Do you know how I much mean, easier it is to act when the fucking thing is? Do you know dead? who Stan Winston is? God damn it! You don't even know. I have Stan Winston's autograph. <laughs> do you? Really? I do because uh, what a kid I went to elementary school with. Actually, all through grade mm -hmm. school. Uh, his uncle, Stan Winston. Really? No shit, yeah. No shit. I had, yeah. um, what was it called? This was one of my favorites, Stan Winston. <laughs> he wrote me, uh, like was a few years this? ago on Facebook. Do you remember this series? He... Yes, this was on, uh, I fucking love Jim Henson. Oh yeah. my God. The Jim Henson Storytellers, I just showed him the DVD, but this was like the one that had like, it was kind of like amazing stories, but with Muppets, Muppets. and they were like fables kind yeah. of things. The guy was like the porcupine skin, and then like there was the dude who like made the bet with the devils, and oh man, it's like it was the coolest little it was the coolest little uh, series. But but no, but then there we are. You know, we're all of a sudden now. Old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll be forty in December, and I go. You know, there's no reason. I like when when I was a kid, everybody turned forty. They were over the hill. They were done. God done. damn, they were moms those old and dads, ass. and they they're had, well into their career. Right, and I'm yeah. like. No, I still collect toys and fucking watch YouTube. I, I don't know. Your like, toy collection is so fucking... I still remember... I remember it from when we would watch movies here. Yeah, this is... Um, I actually added a few more. This this shelf over here, right here, um, the top two are Star Wars. And yeah, then, these are original figures. Yeah, these, are the, these are the 70, 77 and 80s and 83s. In fact, the, the, the Darth and the, the Obi-Wan... Are both I, original, like with the lightsaber uh, still? I'm such a... Those are hand, but all the hands I and had the, the shuttle Tiderian mm. that they made, and my cousins broke the oh. wings by pulling him down. It pissed me off. Max so. Rebo oh, band. Oh, God, that's so badass. And then underneath here, these Superman... Thunder, is that Thundercats Yeah, that's shit? the Thundercats. In fact, that's the entire uh, Thundercats. Behind that picture, if you move that over... In fact, here, let me... I'll move this picture. But behind this is like uh, all of the good and the bad oh, Thundercats. Man. That's then so awesome. This has got, these are all from the 80s. I, I never played with my toys. These are literally from- Can I from, take pictures and post please. these on the blog yeah. so people can see these yeah, also? Because these are pretty badass. Um, so this is California all, raisins, holy yeah. shit. And look at this. This is pretty cool. I, I didn't even realize till years later like the, the how in-depth they were. These are some of the Marvel characters that I, I had. I still have my- uh, Vision? 
the That's so badass. from the 80s, and I've got like Magneto, Magneto back there, Daredevil, Dr. Octopus, uh, Wolverine. The I have that Iron Wolverine. Uh, I had the Cyclops also. Yeah. I had the. Uh, I still have Venom? Archangel in a box in my room at do my you parents' really? house. I do. Remember these guys? The uh, the old uh, NBA Shit, Hoopers. Yes. I got, yes. I've got Dominique Wilkins and uh, these Michael guys, Jordan. the little Mr. and Mrs. from mm-hmm. the You Collected Brack and Arby's. California raisins. Yeah, I mean, this is some He Man back here. I got Ram Man and different guys. Brave Star. My uh, my Brave mom Star bribed bribed me into giving a talk in church in primary when I was a kid. By I saw He Man slime a commercial for it, and I said, "I want that." And she said, you "Well, if talk? you give this talk," because I told her, "No, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that." These are early '80s, '82, '83 uh, Universal or, monsters. Oh no, those are the monsters. So you've got Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Monster uh, Squad shit right there. Yeah, the That's Willow. Cool. Oh my god! Willow, I, uh, I, that's an unsung movie. I don't. I still feel that that movie doesn't get as much it credit it, it, as it, it does. It's amazing. The T one thousand so bad. Yeah, ass. I've got the Terminators, and these are like you know the Fly and the Thing. I've got Shaft, and then all all in these shelves over here are the are the um, let me get these lights are the different movie monsters. So this shelf, that shelf over there is like Ghostbusters. I have I have the original like the cartoon Ghostbusters. Yeah. And then that's... Uh, the real Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, the horror movies. Um, so like uh, Alien, Predator, and, and Crow. And then over here, this is actually a rape scene. Um, and it sounds weird to say, but uh, Leatherface's hand fell off. So I had him lay down and he's forcing it into... It looks like he's <laughs> forcing it into Fisting Freddy. Fisting Freddy. Oh, you know what? I must have ran into this because I knocked over uh, Chucky, Chucky and, and the Gremlins. But oh, they're all man. sitting around. Gremlins. So Chucky and the Gremlins and and Gizmo and the Candyman and Jason and Ghostface are kind of watching this this horrible scene take place. And uh, I love it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And then I've got a Necronomicon. This oh, was, that's so awesome! This one, from Evil a, Dead. There's actually in the back. There's a there's a hole so you so can, you can make, make it. Oh, that's awesome! And then these are reflection. I don't know if you've ever seen these guys. They make old retro. Yes, I have. Toys. Uh, do you, Rich Wilson did the nicest dick move ever. What would he do? He when we did the comedians in cars eating Vegemite episode, my son, I brought my son along, and he and his son sat in the. They did an episode. It oh, hasn't cool. aired, but they tried it oh, and uh, talked about how horrible it was. But then because he did that, he gave him the Great White Shark from Jaws, which is my favorite movie oh. ever. And I. She's like, son of a bitch, you gave that to my kids so I could <laughs> cringe like a motherfucker when he opened it, right? When he rips oh. that package open and I go, you, 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 no, you don't, no, you don't, do it. No. fucking don't, leave it, dude, it's leave framed, it the, it's fucking framed, it's framed in there. <laughs> but these are, I, I, I don't know, they're just those sort of, this is, I had Kevin Smith sign this, Kevin That's Smith awesome. action figure when I, I got a chance to meet him and yeah, it's just a whole bunch of. A whole bunch of shit, man. That like these are my like original ETs. This is a wind up ET from back in the day. Oh, it's shit. original, and this was from God. That was like on my like my birthday cake or something in like 1984. Like I, I fight mean, club soap. Yeah, I got a fight club soap. I got two. Yeah, we got two. And there's another fight club soap over there. And so yeah, you kind of just different shit that you collect through the years. You know, um, yeah. This is a drumstick that guy got me it's autographed by uh, chris adler from lamb of god oh shit um 
This is uh, autographed. I did a horror convention. I hosted that, it, and Captain Spaulding, Sid Haig, no was there. So I got way. to hang out with Sid Haig for a God couple days, it. and he He's signed dead that. Now, so that yeah, sadly, Sid uh, uh, Sid signed Sid signed that. Was and, he cool as shit? Oh, he was the coolest motherfucker you've Fuck, ever met. I he was bet, exactly man. like you, like you, you what you'd want. Yeah. yeah, and then these are yeah. Here's the other labyrinth ones. There's the dark Jareth back there, and oh, then that's badass. This one, then there's a. This one right here is a Skeksy from the Dark Crystal. Fuck, I love and that then, movie. Uh, when I went back and watched that as an adult, though, I thought, "Why the fuck did I? How was I allowed to fucking watch yeah, it's this really movie? Dark, Holy right? shit! It's really, really dark. These are some, you know, you got like Sin City, and uh, then this is a Machete. Oh, God, and it's I autographed. Love that. We got to meet Danny How Trejo. was he? Because I've heard he's the coolest, coolest fucking guy. dude. He's literally the nicest, most humble dude you've ever met he how are you very nice to meet you he, uh, he's, he's pretty short isn't he like he's probably five 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 six so my height yeah ish yeah, yeah i would say yeah, yeah yeah that's probably almost yeah so yeah machete you are the machete oh god i love that guy and these are and then old wrestling figures and stuff like i collected these this is pretty crazy this because both macho NWA. man and elizabeth are both dead now and that's a package and then, i remember meeting buff bagwell i met buff bagwell the at the east center yep yeah. He came for so the nice. tickets. Yep, I was there, yep. yeah. Nice. The day guy. tickets went on sale, yeah. That's where I got this. Oh, that's badass. The old Sting, Sting, uh, Sting mask. And, when um, he was Wolfpack, right? Yep. And then, yeah, this is like Transformers and some like mystery science theater stuff. And They're bringing Hulk. that back. Yeah, I, I've, I don't know how they're going to do it, though. It's not going to be Tom. the same thing. Yeah, right? It's Yeah, and then this, see, these, are, these are the last two posters that we did on the tour. Uh, this was from the very last day, January 31st. We ended at the end of January. We were in um, Michigan. Uh, I want to say Kalamazoo, Michigan. And we we sat and we each signed these and and then we we took them. But that was that was the that was the last night of the tour. And then these yeah. are just all the shit that I've done over the years. I've done four different pr uh, DVDs. We awesome. I was at the this. Show. Uh, this is my old band. That's awesome. Where uh, hand that feeds. I was at that recording actually. It was great. It was, it it was, was uh, It's crazy, man. It's it's like you kind of look back on it and you go, "Fuck, that's a life." I guess we yeah. we know no, it by the awesome. shit we collect. Yeah. But there it is. That's uh, yeah, that's about all of it. I don't know. That's great. But yeah, feel free to take pictures so people understand yeah, what so we're talking what, yeah, about. Because exactly. otherwise, it's just gonna be people going, "What are what they the looking fuck? at? Cool toys? Shit. Well, Star Wars shit is bonkers for me. I absolutely love Star Wars. I, the first movie I ever saw, my parents had a bootlegged copy of Star Wars because it hadn't come out on VHS yeah. yet. So, so I saw that, and then the first movie I saw in the theater was Return of the Jedi. Oh wow! So I still remember seeing Return of the Jedi with my cousins uh, vividly at the uh, the villa. Oh wow! On, that's up awesome. On 20th Highland up here, which was like I remember it was the old one. In fact, until it was torn down, it was one of the old theaters where the curtains, curtains would open. Yeah, because I Cynodome, same, yeah. same thing. That's where I saw Return of the Jedi, was the Cynodome. Yeah, so the, are you talking about the ones on 33rd that look like no, two the one, of yeah, the, up in Ogden though, because oh, I grew up, up in, in Morgan, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we oh, went to shit, man, we went there, yeah, good old living in Morgan where you have to drive out of the town <laughs> to go do shit. Shit. Well, you know, it's worth it. I mean, it's it's funny because whether it's talking about childhood or whether it's talking about the way that we kind of came up in comedy or the way that, uh, you know, the, 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 whatever era it was where we cut our teeth or grew, uh, you, you kind of go, I wouldn't change it. Nope. You know, and it's funny because like in 20 years, 
all of the shit that we think is amazing now that kids take for granted, there's going to be like a new generation and be like, can you believe there were kids that were born one day without hologram pets? Yeah. You know, and you're like, they don't know fur. I mean, yeah, they don't you, shed. They you know, don't you, shed. There was a time when people drove and didn't just walk through their transporter door, you yes. know? And, and so like, it's always going to change. It's perpetually changing. You know, you're, you're never, you're never like the, the height of anything, you know? Uh, we go, well, we're a lot better off than the people who had just swords and were out doing yeah. that. And you go, yeah, but in a hundred years, people are going to look back on the way we live and just go, what the fuck? Holy shit. What the shit were those guys doing back then? They, yeah. they, they could have, or, or we're all going to be gone. <laughs> or, or there's going to be nothing yeah. left. So People just living underground. Did you know that people used yeah. to live above ground? Before it was all scorched. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be Christian Bell doing Star Wars in the Dragon movie for all the kids oh, who've never shit. seen a movie yeah. in their lives. It's ridiculous. Rain of Fire. That was Yeah. It. God, Christian Bell and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. All hail our heroes. Yeah, doing his goddamn... <laughs> Can I tell you, like, isn't it Wait crazy where Matthew McConaughey... Are you in like, England? What time did for Matthew McConaughey, though? Because yeah. when you watch the first season of True Detective, you go... Yeah, he looks... Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, he... He, well, he, 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 <laughs> he still one, has the he's same... He's one of those dudes who did, the, who did the same, you know... It's like what I, you know... It's like what I did. Uh, I, I kind of after I got done with last comic, I said I'm not going to do impressions anymore. I'm going to be done because well, I'm I'm going to prove people I can be a comic. And so I just didn't do voices. I just went out and wrote comedy to prove I could do an hour, do two hours without relying yeah. on them. And then you get to a point where you're like, you stupid idiot, you fucking. It's a fun thing you can do. Well, people and, laugh. And, fucking do it, you stupid idiot. I honestly like uh, I'm. Even just watching your bat, the video that oh, you the posted, Batman yeah, one? it was so good. And you mentioned uh, the Patrick Warburton. Uh, oh yeah, it, that's so good. I, oh, that's a good one to do. Yeah. I enjoy his voice. It's fun. It's kind of a good time. <laughs> you know, and it's different too because it's one of those voices where, like, Joe from Family Guy isn't really the same as how he normally is. Hello, Peter. You know, it's there, but it still resonates from the same voice. It's still. <laughs> the same thing, squeakity squeak, squeakity squeak. Him. He did the live action tick. Oh, which wasn't was that amazing? Fantastic. I, Have you seen the new one? No. Uh, Amazon Videos has it on as a pilot, mm. and he's an executive producer on it. Because at first I was bummed that it wasn't that Warburton. it wasn't him. Because I knew he could still do it. Oh, but Warburton's great. Holy shit, it's wow. good. Go check if you it. yeah. It's uh, if you have it. Prime, you can just watch it. Okay. So it's fucking awesome dope but i'll find it that's guys everyone go watch the yeah, tick because it it's in uh pilot right now so it can get picked up if yeah people yeah like help, it. help so, shows get picked because up. it's oh the writing's awesome so cool. i like that you know but yeah it was just one of those things where like i was like fucking idiot do voices and and then but but at the same time we found a new way to do it you know we're kind of doing it musically now me and guy do that music show which is uh it's it's impressions but they're singing because, you know, we were both in bands. I sang in a band for a long time. So it was able to kind of apply my, you know, that I could sing into singing like other people. And uh, so I kind of taught myself. Because voices are kind of, once you kind of understand that it's just a similar, like where they come from. Where, yep. Yeah. So like, like it's, it's kind of easy to, I, I tell people like this. Like, for example, um, this is a demonstration you can, that it kind of explains it. Like if you, if you can do an accent, right? So like uh, if you take a basic accent, like, like a British accent, right? So you take something that's not too, um, you know, too low. Hello, governor. You know, yeah. it's not, but it's right down the middle, you know, something kind of here. Ricky Gervais, maybe, right here <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> 
No, you just go like right here, you know, and you've got something that's basically your your standard British accent, right? You know, it's not, it's whatever it is. And so if you take that and you take that same accent, you don't change anything about it, right? And you push it all the way to the front of your mouth and you don't do anything other than talk out of your lips, then all of a sudden that same exact thing that you're doing becomes an Irish accent, only because you're making the, the sound come up here. So you're making the, the vowels and you're making the consonants and making everything else kind of sound like that. But for the most part, you know, a few little flourishes, it's kind of the same thing, right? It's Conor McGregor. But then if you take that same fucking accent, man, you push it all the way to the back of your throat so it opens up the valves. So you're not changing anything, mate. You're just pushing it to the back of your throat. Now all of a sudden, you've gone from Irish to a kind of a Northern English, Scottish accent, right? Now you're Shrek or whatever you're doing and it's basically the same accent but all the difference is is you've taken it you've pushed it all the way to the back of your throat and then you bring it right back to the middle of your voice, right? So now that you've got it here, if you want to play with different vowels, sounds right or different consonants you can make it sound like that so if all of a sudden i still want to drop it out my o's right i do the same accent but now i drop out my o's and i'll stretch it out and i'll bring those vowels out that same exact accent becomes an australian accent mate it's the same thing and then you reserve that a little bit and you bring it back just a slight thing and then you know you got that uh, you know flight of the concords new zealand accent you know Brit, Brit and Germain, and it's right back there, it's just a little more restrained than the Australian, which is much more loose, right? It's all the way down here. And then if you just restrain that back and you bring it right to the center of your mouth, it's exactly the same fucking thing, mate. It's the same accent. So it's the same thing with voices. If you can find something that's in a similar headspace to your own voice, like for instance, if I listen to my voice, uh, it's very easy for me to become uh, Jeff Goldblum. It's not a stretch, not interesting. Uh, it's similar to my own voice. Same thing with walking. Walking, the reason I can do walking is because the way that I talk naturally, if I just slow it down and put an accent on it is really not much different from where I'm at. And then you can start exploring it, finding other avenues to flourish the voice. But the origination, where it comes from in your voice, same thing. So if you can do one, I tell people you can do 10, 15 accents, you know, family guy, same thing, right? If you take like, you take Peter Griffin, right? And it's a fun accent to do. So if you could do Peter Griffin, and that's pretty easy to do, it it all comes from the same place because like Seth does it, right? So if you have, yeah, right, Peter Griffin, it's right here. But if you take that same voice and you just kind of shove it right up into your nose without even trying, it just kind of becomes, you know, giggity, giggity, it's quagmire, right? They come from the same place, they come from the same guy, and you you can slide it right back down there and cuddle right into Peter. And if you keep pushing it even lower, then that same exact accent becomes Stewie. It really doesn't change all that much. In fact, it comes from relatively the same place in your throat here. Just push it out of your nose a little bit more and you play with it a little bit. But it's virtually the same thing. And you can you can kind of do that, you know, even that... It's the same thing if you take Stewie, even though they're not done by the same person, and you kind of take that and you push it right back up into your nose right there, then all of a sudden, Indian nasal cavity, before it gets back up to quagmire, it becomes Cleveland. So you can kind of just find all these same voices if you can understand exactly where they come from in your mouth and your nose. And then you just go back to Peter, whatever it is you want to do. And that's really all it is. You just kind of listen to where the voice comes from and how, uh, you know, the inflections. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, that's one of my favorite voices in that in that video. I love it because you just kind of go, he ends on a question. So if you, <laughs> yeah, if exactly. you just kind of do that and do this and you just talk like that and that's all you're doing and then you kind of make it Boston and then you kind of make it breathy, then all of a sudden it becomes Mark Wahlberg. Are you kidding? What What's going on with the Transformers? One second they're trucks, the next minute they're robots. It's crazy. You know, and all you're doing is you're just understanding, end in question, add in Boston, make it breathy, impression. So... 
I know that people go, how do you do it? But I mean, it's really just just understanding where sound comes from. The same thing with singing, going that, you know, this, you know, Dave Matthews sings from up here in his head and Bon Jovi sings from up in his nose. You know, it's... Yeah. It, it's really all it is. And then everything else is just little flourishes. And so, I mean, I don't want to, like, I probably just, I just spawned a whole bunch of people. They're going to go, the Eureka! And there's going to be impressionists everywhere. And I've screwed myself. But uh, but that's... Well, here's the thing also that you have to keep in mind is that you've also, when you're listening to that, you, are, you can find yeah. it where that, it's almost like playing by ear where somebody you see somebody playing the guitar and you're like holy mm -hmm. fuck yeah there's not a lot of people that can probably hear that uh, yeah i guess it's recall so it's yeah. there's like I, mean, you, uh, I will say this now don't you fucking don't do it don't go out and do a bunch of impressions. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you but you honestly have like a real fucking talent for it oh, well, to, though too yeah. like it's that's very nice like to also to be able to flip like that back in yeah. between as quickly and seamlessly as you do that's I mean, it's it's a talent, but I mean, you've worked at it too. Yeah, you've put a lot of. I don't know. It's it's like I say, and and I, I guess this is a good enough this is a good enough message for anybody. If you're good at something, no matter what, how silly it is, even if it's just doing silly voices. I remember being ten and calling into radio stations and trying to do like Ronald Reagan and Bullwinkle and shit, and uh, pretty much anything that uh, Uncle Joey did. Yeah, uh, I was I could do. <laughs> you know, and Good old Joey Clark. I, I, you know, I, I would learn to do. I would do Eddie Murphy jokes. I would do them like Eddie. You know, I, I remember watching Delirious, so I do Eddie Murphy jokes. You know, I, I remember the jokes, and it was great. And uh, but I would just, I, I, I would. That's what I would do. And I never thought when I was like eight, ten years old, doing this for my cousins, or even when I was in my mid twenties, doing this for coworkers at my retail job, when we were bored out of our minds and nobody had come into the store for hours, and so they'd go do Star Wars as this guy. And then I, that, that could be something that I eventually turned into a bit and that I eventually would do something on stage or I would eventually do, do this as my job. And so whatever it is, like floats your boat, whatever it is you're good at, you get it drawn, fucking draw, draw every day, fucking draw your goddamn ass off. And when people go, you'll never make money drawing, point out all the things in the world that people can be good at and draw. There's, they, there's people back in the 80s go, don't stop drawing, get out there and play sports. And now yeah. there's a thousand comic book artists that are making good money, money. they're yep. doing well. You know, if, if people say, you can't, I, I can't sing. Well, I'll fucking A. Look how many people have said they can't sing. I, it's, I'm, you know, I'm proof that I've, I've, that anybody can do this fucking shit. I'm just a dude from Utah, so. Well, and and a, a dude from Utah where you wouldn't typically find think nobody thinks comedy or Utah and goes. No, comedy, that's the funniest place comedy. on earth, right? But you, honestly, uh, I think you you. You went out and you kicked you kicked some ass, man. I mean, and you represented uh, Utah in a different way than it has usually been seen, especially well, really portrayed nice. on TV. Yeah. But then when you came back, even after like last comic standing, going to mics or seeing your shows, you were inspiring. Oh, it was oh, uh, nice. like, wow, you know? man, like that. He's killing it, and that's I got to be that good. I've got to at least be that. If I want to yeah. have, if if I want to be able to make it, I have to at least be as good as as Marcus well, is. Because then, then here's a shot. Here's you know? the thing: just just be good every day. That's yeah. that's what I tell people. You know, it's like don't be so preoccupied with whatever. People say, "Why not me?" Just go, "Why not me?" Like, why isn't it me right now? Okay, what do I need to do? Do I need to work harder? Do I need to step my game up? What is it about me? You know, I need to. I need to. I you know, what is my niche? 
you know, we've, we've, this music shows a different niche than other people do. We've started really succeeding in the corporate world because there's not a lot of people who can go and do an eight, a 60 or a 90 minute show G rated clean and yeah. can entertain at a Christmas party or can entertain in, in other settings, business, corporate settings, things like that. You know, um, the voice stuff, it puts me in a niche, the, the ghost stuff that I do, it puts me in a niche. It's things that I like to do that have over time presented other opportunities to me. And when what I tell people is like, if somebody comes up to me right now and says, hey man, what what are you about? Be like, I got, here's clips of my comedy. Here's a sizzle reel about my music show. Here's about like ghost stuff. Here's this. I'm ready. What do you need? What part of this do you need? Do you need me to do an hour? Do you need me to do 10 minutes? Do you need me to do five minutes? Oh, you need, you need how much? 10 minutes completely G-rated clean? Great. You need, uh, whatever it is. You can have those things yeah. know that you have those things and, and and really pace yourself if you know who you are but know also importantly who you're not if if you don't have an hour you're not a headlining comic be realistic i'm a 10 minute dude fine be the, the best, best 10, 10 minute yep. dude you can be until you're a 20 minute dude and then be the best 20 minute guy you can be until you're a 30 minute dude and keep doing that because you never want to get in a situation where somebody goes cool you're a comedian we'll pay you to do an hour and then you have 10 minutes that's fucking painful man just be realistic about who you are and, and, and know that opportunity comes along. Just be ready for it. And that's really all it is. That's all it was. It's just kind of having opportunities, having places like Wise Guys, having good comics to, to kind of you know, learn from and be around and grow with. Willing to be there for that. That's another thing that the Wise Guys open mic offers, going circling right back yeah. around again and then we'll, we'll end. But... Uh, you get to see, I, my first night, I got to see you, you had already had TV credits. And so I, sh I, I'm about to go up on stage for my first time and then you crush it. And I go, God damn it. That was so fucking awesome. I got to feel that. And, and so it sets an expectation of that's what, that's what it, that's what it is. I've got to, we've got to fill the fucking room with laughter and it's, that's what I'm working for. And I know I'm not there yet. So I know I've got a long way to work toward that. But And that's, and first that's step. why you're a successful dude, because you're practical and you've understood that. And you've always kind of been like, you, you know, I think the best dudes are the guys who, like we say, are the most realistic and they kind of understand who they are. They understand who they're not. I've turned down many a gig because I just said, I'm not that dude. That's not me or that's here. I'll, I'll suggest somebody else yep. or I'll, you know, and, and it's, it's fine. You know, I, I think that it doesn't always have to be about me. Uh, I think that, the, you know, it's, I'm very proud to be part of a Salt Lake City uh, comedy scene. I think we have a lot of strong comics. Yeah. Comics that are headliners, comics that are features, comics that are open mic guys, comics that have promise, comics that are really going to go out there and I think are going to do something with comedy. And to be 100% honest, uh, I, I really feel like we have maybe one of the strongest collective scenes because... Over the last few years, you've started seeing kind of that that ego disappear, and you're seeing comics hang out, and you're seeing them work together, and yeah. you're seeing a camaraderie, and that's why the scene's strong. Not because we're all trying to compete against each other, but because, like you say, we're all inspired by each other. Yeah. If somebody gets great laughs, that makes me go, fuck not yeah. not fuck you, but yeah, fuck, fuck yeah. yeah, man. That's good how you job. should view it, yeah. and that's really what it is. So back well, each other up, be be good. I mean, you know, I guess that's just the moral of it. Don't be a don't be a an asshole. Be it, a good I think person. That's a simple. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a in pretty, life. It's you know? pretty like easy it's, rule. It, Don't be an asshole in life. Right. That's it. I've uh, one of the things that I all, like tell my son is uh, 
dude, don't be mean to other people, man, because you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what, like, yeah. and it's especially with him going to school. Don't pick on people, man, because yeah. you don't know what they go home to. Right. You don't know what their home life's like. You don't know who, and that's, just like, why be mean to someone? You don't know what they are on the inside. You don't that, know the struggle that they have right. in their head or anything. And so that's just, why I think it's fine to be happy and yeah. do what we do. You know, so many comics are so like in in their own heads or bummed out. It's like, it's all right to be happy because I think we provide something for people that they really need. Like you say, you don't know what everybody's always going through. So if you're able to help somebody by just saying some dumb thing that was, you just scribbled down in your yeah. joke book, but because of that moment, that connection, that single thing, you were that thing. It's cool. And, and apply that to your whole life, no matter what it is. But we're very lucky to be able to do the thing we do and, 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 and have the skill to do it and have the balls to do it. I mean, yeah. it's not something everybody can do. And, uh, you know, open mic proves that too. Oh yeah, it does. So, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a small world. You'd be really surprised how many people you work with remember you and, and, and go on and and tell other people about you or or remember how good you opened for them even if you just did 5 minutes. Yeah. Uh I had I ran into Harlan Williams on when I was doing <sighs> so comedy awesome. or when I was doing press for Hamlet Feeds and I so I'm on my fourth DVD at that point and it's 2010 or 11 and I opened for Harlan in 2005 and he saw me and I had I'd had long hair back then I had a beard and he saw me at the radio station 6 years later and went Hey, you're the guy that had the joke. Yeah, you did. You opened for me, and you did the thing where, like, uh, you know, uh, the the black Star Wars and Chris. Ro and he remembered the bit, remembered who I was, and it it really blew my mind because I just went, "Why? That's important. Yeah, that's important. That connection, that memory. It's not just about remembering people. It's remembering how we felt, remembering that that kind of openness and the camaraderie that comics have over time, and you learn that. And so, so yeah, it's 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 a really it's a really cool thing. I, yeah. I, I'm just really stoked that I still get to do it. And, uh, and I hope that, that I keep getting to do this as a job because it's, it's the best gig in the, in the world. Yeah. I, uh, I wish you the best. And Thanks, I know, man. you know, like, uh, I, I think you will. Thanks, man. Buddy. Honestly, uh, well, you not, work really hard and you're a talented person. So, I mean, that people know, man. I, okay, I got I you. fucking sell the shit out of action figures. I know that shit, yeah. man. I'll fucking talk. <laughs> exactly. I fucking, you, oh, you walking out of here with only two? Let me tell you something. This is a four piece set, buddy. <laughs> you you need all four all. pieces. I, <laughs> you you're going to come back, save yourself the gas money. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, look, look, look. We'll just, just get it. Yeah, just be great. So, no, it's, it's amazing. I, you know, no matter what, I'm just grateful you get to uh, experience anything. So it's crazy. Yeah. Cool life. Absolutely, man. Well, Thanks thank, for having yeah, me. Thank you so much, conversation, man. man. It's been exactly. We felt. Well, yeah, we did. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Where uh, where can people find you? Uh, I'm Facebook and Twitter, just uh, Comedian Marcus. Um, you can uh, watch my my show and see clips of my comedy and uh, the 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 Batman impression video. It's on Facebook, but it's also on um, the Ghost Hopping YouTube channel, which is the show I host. Uh, it's a paranormal show I host on on YouTube, and that's just YouTube.com/slash/GhostHopping. And you can actually find links to all of that if you just go to marcusandguy.com which uh is you should the site you should go to marcusandguy.com it's got the the music show and then individual pages for me and for guy and for ghost hopping and for the, for the area 52 podcast which i do and the dirt pod podcast which i do with guy and it's so it's all there and and you find it or don't or whatever and just thanks for listening to me ramble yeah thank you uh marcus also uh 
this show's going should drop this oh, week. Yeah, so yeah. We got a show on like, Sunday at Wise Guys Downtown. Um Sunday, September fourth. It's just kind of a we got asked if we wanted to do a kind of a laid back night before Labor Day. So it's just ten bucks, which is half price from what um tickets to our show usually cost. And me and Guy actually have a lot of new stuff that we've been working on going back and forth with that we're gonna be debuting. Kind of use this as a night to kind of test some stuff and and uh try some stuff we haven't done. Uh, in a while. So it's going to be fun. You know, if you come to a standard show, this is definitely going to be different. So it's going to be a really cool night, laid back, new comedy, new music. So come on out. Guys, uh, in other words, enjoy the computers while you can, but man, go get out, go out and uh, actually enjoy some live entertainment. Get a, feel some stuff. So uh, go out and see that show. It's Sunday. What time again? Uh, 7.30, uh, Sunday, September 4th. 10 bucks. 10 bucks. Wiseguyscomedy.com. Uh, pre-sales so go get them get tickets go out and have a fun night bring a date so uh, anyway thanks so much uh, Marcus once again for coming on and guys thanks for listening have a wonderful night this has been uh, Stupid Questions with Jason Harvey